Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Chef Garner into last night's game said, We won and I made my last shot. It's his last game in the Jordan Center. There will be no other games in the Jordan Center. They will play at Notre Dame. If they win, they'll play either in Milwaukee against Marquette at the Bradley Center or go out to Eugene to play Oregon, and then it's Madison Square Garden. So there will be no other games in the Jordan Center. Time now for our play-by-play call today. Up the right side for Kreider. Kreider with three points tonight. Down the left wing on Schultz. Cutting wide. Puts on the brakes. Kreider still with the puck. Now for Zabanajad. Zabanajad shoots. He scores! Rangers win in overtime. Mika uh, Zibanejad with his second of the game. Rangers win 4-3. Rangers beat the Penguins last night. Kenny Albert with the call on the Rangers Hockey Network. Kenny's been our guest a couple of times. So, all right, wrestling. Uh, Lee lost by fall, but he has to wrestle back. Keener lost by fall. Everybody else won. We bring in Jeff Byers, the play-by-play voice of Penn State Wrestling. Jason Nolf back. Uh, he's already won by a fall. What does Nolf mean? I mean, it's got to be a big boost for everybody that Nolf's not only there, but he can get this team much-needed bonus points, Jeff. Uh, no, no question about that, uh, Steve. I, Jason is a guy that obviously always goes out uh, looking for bonus points and certainly is capable of racking them up in, the, in a big way. All right, so now let's get to where he is. When he wrestled at the Big Tens, he did wear the bulky brace. Still won. The two, he was out there. Does he still have to wear it this time through in Cleveland? Yeah, I, I think he'll I think he'll be able to uh, go uh, with the, the, the brace, Steve. I, I, I should say, I think he can go without it. I think they're going to put it on uh, just to give him a little extra stability. But I, I'm not sure that it's I think it's more of a precaution than a necessity at this point. Uh, and his movement uh, right now, Steve, is, is exceptionally good. I, I really think he is not going to be encumbered by it. He, he's certainly not 100%, but I, I'm, I, unless something happens during the tournament, and that's obviously a possibility and a concern, but uh, barring that, I, I don't think you're going to see uh, much different Jason Nall from what we've become accustomed to seeing when he is 100% healthy. How does the NCAA like to handle braces? I mean, this is a physical contact sport, and now having a brace there as well, they cover it up. How do they have to handle that? Yeah, they do. You have to have, uh, and I'm not exactly sure, I think it's an inch and a half of padding over it, okay. and it, it, it has to be a specific you know, padding and, and it has to be checked over by officials. But uh, obviously, in this sport, it's not an uncommon uh, circumstance. And I, I, 
just off the top of my head, I can think of four other guys, and I'm sure there will be more than that, that are going to have knee braces on as well. But, yes, it is uh, something that the officials will check before the the match begins and make sure that it is properly protected uh, so that, obviously, the, the brace isn't a danger to the opponent. All right, let's get pathways here. Now, let's start with Nick Lee. Nick Lee is a guy that can also give Penn State some bonus points, but what's his path look like? Yeah, I, Steve, I, I think Nick is, is one of the more interesting kids in terms of that path right now because I think uh, as the number eight seed, obviously he'd be getting the number one seed in the quarterfinals, and that would be Bryce Meredith of Wyoming, who is a dynamic kid and just a, a really neat personality. And it's certainly about that you'd love to see uh, Nick get an opportunity to compete in. But, you know, I wrestle Ryan Deal from Maryland, who's a, a good, experienced kid. But if, if Nick goes out and wrestles the way he's capable of, I think that's certainly a bonus point opportunity. And really the second-round match, uh, even against uh, Josh Alver, who will be the nine seed, and obviously that's kind of a toss-up match on paper. But with the way Nick wrestles, uh, again, you can get those bonus points even in – that are expected to be close contests because he does have that ability to turn people quickly, and if he can get his offense flowing in that first period, uh, he just has a, a very good ability of wearing opponents out by the third period. So I, I really think Nick is a guy that can uh, certainly secure a couple of wins, get into the quarterfinals, and you'd love to see a bonus point or two along the way there uh, from him. That would certainly go a long way toward giving Penn State a little breathing room, I think, in that team race. Right, uh, which then gets to Zane Rutherford. I mean, he's the walking definition of bonus points. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't know that, uh, obviously, everybody uh, praises Zane Rutherford. I, I'm just not sure that you necessarily appreciate just how special it is uh, for him to continue to get bonus in the manner that he does because everybody uh, now has scouted Zane Rutherford and there's a lot of really good coaches a lot of really good wrestlers out there and they're all wanting to do the same thing slow him down and give himself a chance and he just keeps upping his game and obviously this will be his final opportunity to put on a Penn State single he's two pins shy well one pin shy tying the school record for most pins in a career and two away from owning that record by himself. I don't think that's a motivating factor for him, but I, I do think it's a record he will have by the end of the weekend. I think it's a record he'll lose next year to Jason Nolson, possibly to Nickel <laughs> as well, uh, but I do think he's going to go out of here as the all-time pin leader. I, I think those first couple of matchups certainly look very favorable, uh, favorable for Zane, and really... Uh, you know, it's it's hard to envision him losing until the finals, and I continue to remain concerned about Brandon Sorensen of Iowa just because that kid is a remarkable wrestler. I realize Rutherford is now six and zero in his career against him, uh, but that matchup just always worries me because I always think when you get two elite athletes, uh, the more one loses, the more that that loser gets a little extra motivation, a little extra edge for the next time around. Uh, but there's certainly been no indication that Zane won't be up to the challenge. Sorensen obviously is motivated because he hasn't beaten him, and he's really, yeah. really good. But but yeah. Rutherford has an opportunity to do something only one other Penn State wrestler has done, Ed Ruth, and that's win three national titles. That has to be the motivator for him, too. No, there's no question. And, and Zane is, is such a driven kid and just wants to go out on, on obviously, his own terms. And I think... The other thing with Zane right now is that he, I just think he is 
focused on things beyond this collegiate career, and this is just uh, another stepping stone for him. And, yeah, he would join Ed Ruth as the only three-time national champions in Penn State history and also has a chance to become the first Penn State wrestler to ever complete three undefeated seasons in a career. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways that I think Zane Rutherford's going to write himself into the history book this weekend. And then you mentioned Nolf. Now let's get specifically, I mean, regardless of injury, what about path for him? Yeah, you know, he does have a difficult path. Yeah. As number three seed, I mean, he'll he'll – likely catch Michael Kemmer, who he beat in the finals last year, in the quarterfinals this year, because Kemmer comes in as the sixth seed after both ended up medically forfeiting out to six at the Big right. Ten championship. So it is a road than what you would expect for a kid like Jason Alf. He would likely face LaValle, uh, who he's uh, faced in the finals uh, last year. Uh, as well, I think I said he faced uh, Kemmer in the in the finals. He faced Kemmer in the Big Ten finals right. uh, last year, mm-hmm. uh, beat Lavalley in the the national championship, and then you have Hayden Hitley, uh out there, the Mifflin County kid who's still undefeated and comes in as the one seed. So that would be three pretty significant wins to go get a national title that would be facing Jason Dolph in the quarterfinals. Well, if everything held, being a three, if everything holds, means you've got to face two and one if everything holds. See, right. that's the difference right there. If you're the one, you got to face four to get into the final. Well, now you got to face two to get the if it holds two to get to the final, and then you idealistically face one to try and win it. Right, but not only that, Steve. Again, that quarterfinal matchup, you're facing the guy that was ranked number two right. most of the country behind right. you. So Crazy. you really have to get there. He probably, if the seeds hold, as you say. He would probably have to beat the the three best kids in the country, other than himself, <laughs> that, at that weight. Good Which, point. Again, I, Jason's fine with that. I mean, uh, right. Jason probably is relishing that opportunity, truthfully. But it, but it is a unique set of circumstances that uh, that he will be facing from the quarterfinals in, if, uh, presuming that everything goes as uh, as the seats. What about Bo's path? I'll tell you, Steve, I just think Bo and, and Miles Martin, to me, are just heads and shoulders above the, the rest of the field. And there's, you know, obviously always the potential for an upset somewhere out there. But it's just hard for me to envision Bo Nickel uh, not racking up a ton of bonus points in those first three rounds, really. Uh, could face Pete Renda, who's a, a dangerous wrestler, but, uh, you know, there's nobody more dangerous than Bo. So, uh, in the semifinals, and then Miles Martin again, the old nemesis, is the likely opponent at the finals, the number two seed. And I, I just think those two, um, I, I'd be very, very surprised if that's not your championship match at 184, and it should be uh, another barn burner. Those are two guys that uh, are obviously very familiar with each other and both bring just a, a lot of athleticism and a lot of dynamic moves to the table. Uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this or not, but it looks to me like Mark Hall's weight class has a lot of depth in it. Yeah, I, I think it is as deep. The 41 and 74, right. to me, Steve, are the, the two weights that are just – Ridiculous when it comes to depth. 65, I guess, would probably be close yeah. behind there, too. But, yeah, 74 is just loaded, and, and it will not be an easy path uh, for sure to get to the, the finals again for Mark. And, obviously, if he gets there and the seeds do hold, he'd face the Heat, Valencia again, and Valencia beat him in the All-Star meet right. to start this season. Of course, Hall beat him in the finals, or in the uh, semifinals last year. But that's just a great, uh, great, Weight class and uh, a 
I just think Mark, though, right now is just so steady with the way he's wrestling um, that you certainly feel good about his opportunity uh, to, to get there. And I really think, you know, if it is he and Daniel Lewis that meet in the semis, I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup because they've not met uh, and they both be undefeated. It's the only weight class that has three undefeated wrestlers right. uh, going into the weekend. And uh, obviously, again, if you get the finals, I think that'll be one of the more anticipated matchups between all of Valencia, two guys that are just uh, truly standout athletes. Uh, three more to get to, and one I'm saving for last deliberately, but Shakur Rashid at 197. Is he kind of a wild card in this for Penn State and their ability to win the championship? Yeah, I think he is, Steve, and I think he's he's going to go a long way toward the determining what kind of a weekend this is. I think if Shakur has the weekend that he thinks he's going to have and the Penn State believes he's capable of having, uh, that the Nittany Lions are going to be in very good shape when Saturday night rolls around. I, he really feels like he can get to the finals and uh, win a national title here. He, he'll come in as the five seed. Uh, he'll have, uh, really from the second round in, uh, some potentially tough matchups. Loiso from uh, Drexel is uh, is another very good, dangerous wrestler. I, I think Rashid's length is going to give Loiso problems, but Loiso's a strong, powerful kid, and uh, that'll be an, an interesting matchup, a contrast of styles, and uh, presuming again they both win their first round matches. And then, again, from there on in, obviously, uh, the quarterfinals and your first NCAA tournament on in is going to be uh, tough sledding, but I, I just, uh, Machiavello from North Carolina State would be the four seed, and if the seeds hold, uh, that's also a very intriguing matchup, but I really give Rashid the edge there. I, I just think Rashid's style, uh, matches up well with Machiavello, and then, uh, you know, the semifinals is where he would catch Colin Moore, and obviously Moore had, uh, all four takedowns in their first meeting in the Big Ten title match, but I think you're going to see a different style this time from Rashid and some uh, adjustments and uh, but yeah Rashid Steve I think is a guy that can rack up bonus points in those first couple of rounds and a guy that could uh, really be the difference maker for Penn State I, I think if Rashid does finish in the top four and I think that's a distinct possibility I, I really think Ohio State's going to have a tough time chasing down Penn State for the title Nick Nevels is properly seated if he holds his seat or better what does that mean it means the world. I, for one thing, it means that Nick Nevels will be a strong candidate for national title next year. Not that that's the focus right now, but right. Uh, obviously, Coon and Snyder leaves this year, and I think Nick Nevels uh, certainly is going to be among the uh, short list of favorites to win the, the title next year. But I really like the way he's wrestling right now, Steve, and I just think he's a guy that can uh, go out and also get some bonus points early, which would be big here for Penn State. I, I think from, I think those top two are virtual locks and Coon and Snyder, uh, to get to the finals. But I think Nevels is one of maybe five or six kids that could finish anywhere from third through eighth at that heavyweight division. And obviously the higher he finishes, the, the better it is for Penn State. But I, I really think just the way he's wrestling right now, the confidence, uh, with which he is competing, uh, I I think at least a top four finish. If he and Casper would meet for that third place match, Casper uh, from Duke, I think that would be a, a terrific matchup. Those are both just really good athletic heavyweights that are fun to watch. And of course, I say Vincenzo Joseph uh, for last. He had the wow moment of the tournament last year when he beat Imart. So, how does it lay out for him? 
Yeah, I, I I really like the way he's wrestling. I know he's gotten thrown to his back here a few times, and it has uh, fans concerned. But I, I I just he's just got a quiet confidence about him, and I really think in the room right now he is feeling really good about where he's at. And even with the loss to Martinez in the finals of the Big Ten championships, I think uh, he felt like there were a couple of opportunities that he may have let slip by there, and it's just kind of the same quiet confidence we saw before last year's tournament. Obviously, Martinez is just one of the all-time greats in the sport, and certainly if uh, Joseph does meet him in the finals and uh, were to come up short, I I don't think it's the end of the world uh, by any stretch. But just to get to the finals, again, it's not going to be an easy uh, achievement. Uh, McFadden from Virginia Tech is undefeated, and, yeah. and that weight class, as we mentioned earlier, I think is, is also just very strong. Even the potential quarterfinal matchup with Richie Lewis, and Lewis gave Vincenzo uh, a real battle in the dual meet at Rutgers earlier this season. So, uh, again, from the quarterfinals in, uh, you're going to earn anything you get here at the NCAA tournament at 165, but I just... Uh, I really like the way Vincenzo's wrestling, and I just like his demeanor right now. He's been very loose, uh, has been kidding around, and, and just is uh, relaxed and confident heading into the tournament, which is obviously want, what you want from all of your athletes. And finally, Ohio State. It's one thing watching them in a dual meet. It's another one to watch them in a tournament setting. When you watch them at the Big Tens, what do you think? Firstly, Steve, I, I, I see a lot of Penn State in Ohio State in that these guys are, are in it for each other. It, you saw a lot of uh, the Buckeyes kind of gathering around in the corner of uh, their teammates when they were competing, and I think they've really adopted the, hey, let's go out and get bonus points when they, they have the opportunity. Let's go uh, pull together as a team and, and try to win the close ones. and. Yeah, it was a very impressive performance at, at the Big Ten tournament, and uh, this is an Ohio State team that is very confident. They just had the press conferences with the athletes and the coaches. They had five athletes followed by five coaches, and Kyle Snyder, uh, the heavyweight for Ohio State, said that he firmly believes Ohio State is the favorite and is the team to beat going into the weekend, and Tom Ryan I indicated that uh, that he also thinks because it's in Cleveland and because of all of the uh, support here from folks in Ohio that Ohio State uh, will be able to ride that wave of momentum from the Big Ten and uh, ride the energy that the fans will provide here for a national title. So this is an Ohio State team that's feeling very good and I think is uh, trying to follow Penn State's formula for success in terms of that team-first mentality and getting the bonus points anywhere and everywhere you can. Well, I'm going to let you rest up. That way you can unleash your brains tomorrow for the three-day marathon that you're about to have, which you always handle with complete ease and excellence. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Steve. Certainly looking forward to it. And, yep, this is the, the best three days of the year for college wrestling fans. No question about it. That's a Christmas in March. Jeff, thanks. Joining us from Cleveland. Appreciate that. Penn State, uh, bonus points from seven wrestlers. Two were, you know, at 33 and 41 by fall. Lost. So they're in third place after session one, but not much separating the teams at this point. Uh, We'll give you a rundown on how the opening session went in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
All right, final half hour of the show coming up. We'll give you a complete rundown on what's happened at the NCAA Wrestling Championship. Session one is now over. Penn State's in third place. Iowa's first, Ohio State second, Penn State third, but not much separating the three teams. Penn State got seven in the round two, and now two after Wrestleback, including Nick Lee. Nick Lee got pinned today. But the other seven that won all got bonus points. And Nittany Line basketball at Notre Dame Saturday. That'll be a noon tip-off and an 11.30 airtime on WKOK, WKOK.com, and the Penn State Sports Network. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. So let's do this in a couple parts. Let's start with the NCAA Wrestling Championships. Then we'll get to basketball. The uh, headline is the Nittany Lions roar with seven getting bonus points, but that's not the full story because one guy that's pivotal to winning lost and got pinned right away. Uh, so it's a mixed bag from round one. Uh, Corey, Keener, uh, Corey Keener, not expected to go far in this, uh, took on Dom Fours of Pitt, who then pinned, pinned him. So Keener goes back to consolations tonight. Now the one that really hurts Penn State, that's Nick Lee. Number eight seed against unranked Ryan Deal of Maryland, Deal pinned Lee. Okay, And now he did, did it quickly at 212. Uh, so Lee, back in consolations. Not out of it yet. He can still score points for Penn State, but he has to do it through the consolation bracket. Now the things that you would expect to happen started to happen. Zane Rutherford got a tech fall. Bang, on to round two. Jason Nolf went out, got a tech fall. Boom, on to round two. Rutherford won 16-1, to had a riding time of 4.05. Nolf won 22-7. to Vincenzo Joseph no problem. He ends up with a 15-4 major decision. Mark Hall at 174 gets Austin Rose of Drexel. No problem. 12-2 major decision. Bo Nickel, number one seed. No problem with Martin Muller of South Dakota State. Uh, won by a 16-4 major decision. Shakir Rashid. Number five seed took on the Citadel Sawyer route. No problem. 13-5 major decision. And he goes to round two. And then Nick Nevels capped the day against Stephen Siglio of Kent State. Pinned him at the 524 mark. So Penn State goes 7-2 in the opening session. They picked up nine bonus points thanks to the pin by Nevels, the two tech falls by Rutherford and Dolph, and the four majors by Joseph Hall, Nickel, and Rashid. The problem is, it happens with Nick Lee. Lee getting pinned and getting knocked right away into the consolations. 
that was that is I don't care what that's a blow. Um, and Corey Keener was not expected to make a run at anything with all due respect to him. So right now, you know, after session one, it's always going to be tight. But, I mean, Iowa leads it. They've got 18.5 points. Ohio State is second with 17 points. And Penn State is third with 16 points. So that's where it stands after session one. But Lee has to wrestle back now, as does Keener. So let's get to the NCAA basketball tournament. Let's get you up to date on that. And now that's playing out. Uh, Zach Norville hit a three-pointer with 21 seconds to go. And then Gonzaga had to survive missing three free throws down the stretch, but they held off Greensboro 68-64. So Gonzaga advances, but they had to hold them off to do it. Duke leads Iona, 72-48 at the under-12 to go in the game. Miami now leads Loyola, 39-34 at the under-16 of the second half. That game's on True TV. It'll be the only time all year you'll watch True TV. Ohio State leads South Dakota State, 36-29, five minutes ago, first half. I texted Paul Keels. I said, you are playing golf in Florida last week, and now you're in Boise this week. I said, you lead quite the life. Seton Hall leads North uh, North Carolina State 15-8, under 16 in the first quarter. The earlier games that are now finals. I mentioned Gonzaga beating Greensboro 68-64. I led with that because that's been the closest game so far, except for Rhode Island and Oklahoma. That went overtime. Rhode Island won it, knocked out Oklahoma 83-78. Tennessee beat Wright State 73-47. Kansas beat Penn 76-60. Tonight, Villanova against Radford. Kentucky against Davidson, Houston against San Diego State, Stephen F. Austin against Texas Tech, Alabama against Virginia Tech, Arizona against Buffalo, Michigan against Montana, and Florida against St. Bonaventure. Bucknell plays tomorrow when they take on Michigan State. So that should get everybody up to date on all the tournaments out there as to how it's playing out. Not a lot of movement today. In the NFL, it looks like uh, Pouncey with the Dolphins asked to be released by the Dolphins, and evidently they're going to grant his wish. They will do that. So that's the big one today. It looks like Michael Crabtree is going to be released by the Raiders, who just signed Jordy Nelson. Uh, let's see. Tyler Eifert stays with the Bengals for a year. <laughs> Josh Sitton, uh, who had been with Green Bay at one point now, is going to go to Miami. And that's really about it. After yesterday's frenzy in a week with with a lot of frenzy, uh, today it slowed down a bit. As for the Steelers' moves, all right, we just outlined all of them. There we go. Oh, you know, and of course, A.J. McCarron going to uh, Buffalo. That was the other one, too. Make sure we got that one in there. So that's where we are. And Tiger Woods, by the way, shot a 400 par 68 today. He's one shot back at Jimmy Walker um, in the uh, at the Honor Palmer Invitational. Experimental rules in the NIT. These are rules they're considering for the NCAA. Now, uh, Fran Fraschilla 
on ESPN. I've had a chance over my career to talk with Fran a couple of times. What a, not a good guy, great guy to talk to. Man, does he know his basketball and is he ever passionate about it. I love talking to Fran Fraschilla. Fran is also a big international basketball guy. That's why you notice on the NBA draft, when it comes to the international players, he is their source because he's really good at it and he tracks it, follows it. He loves the international rules. Fran loves the four quarters. He loves the international three-point line, the wider lane. And that's what they're experimenting with in the NCAA tournament. The three-point line is 20 inches further out at the top and on the wings. It's a little tighter in the corners. has to be because you can't bring it that far out, for goodness sakes. You can't do it. You notice the NBA goes out and then down because you got to have room in the corner to operate. So the three-point line is 20 inches further out. Every time I turn around, they are trying to move the three-point line further out. Am I mistaken here, but do fans really like the three-point shot? I think they love it. I think the three-point shot has dramatically changed the game of college basketball. So why do you want to keep, every time you turn around, you keep wanting moving it further out, further out, further out? To do what? Now, I realize they're trying to create more spacing on the floor. So with the wider lane, and I've also noticed that in the NIT games that I've watched, obviously Penn State Temple, I watched uh, BYU-Stanford, I watched Notre Dame-Hampton, I watched Louisville-Northern Kentucky. You know what all four games had in common? With the wider lane, I didn't see one three-point second, one three-second call made. None. Of the rules that they have out there, the one where the shot clock resets to 20 after an offensive rebound, I like. Now, it has to bring with a judgment. I mean, here's the problem. If you are the clock operator on the sideline, right, you have to hesitate a second as to who has the ball. Because if it's a defensive rebound, you're resetting the shot clock at 30. But if the offensive team has the ball, you have to reset it at 20. Now, they have newer mechanisms that, boom, you can get to 20 quickly. Some aren't like that. I know Penn State has to buy a new one. That one I do know. That's, I mean, you know, they, the Jordan Center needs to buy a new one for that. They need to buy a new one anyway. Because, obviously, the out-of-bound resets are 20 seconds now anyway. So that one I like. Because, look, the idea of 30 seconds is you have a timeline, you have 10 seconds to get the ball over the timeline. Well, in an offensive rebound, you're already into the front court. You're all done. So 20 is fine. I think it kind of gives more possessions in the game. I like that. So I'm fine with that. The rest of it you can have. Here are the changes I would make. Number one, I would not move the three-point line. I know Patrick Chambers wouldn't mind if it's moved out. Keep the three-point line where it is. Why? I want to see shots. I want to see scoring. So keep the three-point line where it is. Keep the lane where it is. There's There's nothing wrong with either one of them. And I don't like the quarters. I don't like it. I don't like the quarters and the resetting of fouls. And I mean, I, I was really going to be very open-minded about this until once I went out and did a game like that. Didn't like it. 
There's a way of playing in college basketball. 20 minutes, under 16, under 12, under 8, under 4. One plus one to get in the bonus. Two shots after 10. And I think, to me, that, that brings in some strategy as to how you handle it and the whole deal. It's not as if the quarters don't bring in strategy. You do have to bring in strategy. In other words, if I have two team fouls and there's 12 seconds left in the quarter, I'm going to give up a couple fouls in the last 12 seconds defensively because I have fouls to give, and I know there's going to be a reset. So, I mean, I understand the strategy with this. You know, how do you handle two-for-ones because you've got more of them? How do you handle two-for-nones because you have an opportunity, more opportunities at it? Got it. Okay, I got it. But there's nothing really, to me, wrong with the, how the game of college basketball is played. It's a 40-minute game, so the scoring's going to be down anyway. But you do have to look at what the NBA does. What does the NBA do? They call for passing, shooting, and the NBA games have flow to them because it's not, it's no longer a clutch-and-grab league. You have teams scoring points now. You watch defense on the college level, and every coach worth their salt spends much more time in a practice on defense than they do on offense. Much more. And every single one of them says, hey, look, I, if I've heard one coach say it, I've heard a hundred say it. You need high hands, high hands, high hands. Now, what don't you see in college basketball? Very often, you don't see high hands. Why? Because the hands are down, and what are they doing down? Uh, they're hand-checking. Not supposed to do that. They are grabbing jerseys. Not supposed to do that. You're supposed to play defense with your feet. High hands. Well, you have players playing with their feet but getting beaten, and they're grabbing. College basketball needs to clean that up. No more clutch and grab. Flow. Passing. Shooting. Flow. It's not moving the three-point line back. It's not widening the lane. It's not going to quarters. None of that stuff. Flow. Change, the other changes I would make, okay, no clutch and grab. That's a foul. Two. No flopping. It's a technical foul. And the NBA, you get fined for it. You notice they don't flop in the NBA? They get fined. Well, you can't find college basketball players, so hit them with a technical foul. And that's not defense. Flopping is not defense either. And the one area where I would institute a change on replay is I would allow them to review whether a ball was pinned against the glass or not on goaltending. Those are some of the things that, to me, would make the game better. Yeah, and, and notice I only propose one additional review, and that's whether a ball is pinned against the glass for goaltending. Not whether it's goaltending and the ball's going up and there's an arc. That's got to be a judgment call no matter what. But there are times, it doesn't happen very often, but when it comes up and it's just so bang, bang, you need a replay to look to see if it was actually goaltending or not. I think that should be allowed, that you can go to the monitor and look at that. And those are, just, and those are all very simple things. I think you've got better athletes than ever playing the game. 
Uh, I think the game, to me, is more entertaining than ever. But you need to have passing, shooting, and flow out there and stay away from clutch and grab, especially at this time of the year. The game's going to be tight anyway. You've got to allow some freedom of movement for offensive players to make plays. And if you're a really good defender, you'll be able to use your feet and high hands to slow some of that down. And that's not an officiating issue. They're officiating the way they're told to officiate. So it's not it's not, it's not the issue. It's got to be the point of emphasis that comes from the top. All right. We'll wrap things up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Attention, Central Pennsylvania truck buyers. This is the sales event you've been waiting for. Sunbury Motors annual Marsh New Truck Sale. SMC is the only Ford dealer in the area that has four city blocks of new Fords and has sold over 40,000 new trucks. Sunbury Motors has over 320 new Fords to choose from. SMC has Motor Trends Truck of the Year. The 2018 Ford F-150 starting at 25969 SMC has 61. That's right, 61 2018 Ford Escapes. And they're priced from just 19730 There's 25 2018 Ford Explorers starting under 30 grand. And there's 45 2018 Ford Super Duty trucks from 38584 Plus 0% financing for up to 72 months on select models. Central VA truck buyers. This is it. SMC's annual March new truck sale. Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza. Sunbury. Alexa, where is the suit? Searching, searching, searching. Tell me right now, Alexa doesn't know. <laughs> Probably never says selling digital media. Ooh. Roger could have told you that. All right, so. <laughs> The NCAA wrestling championships. The only one, the, the only blow that Penn State suffered today was Nick Lee. I mean that. I mean he's in the consolations after getting pinned. I don't think anybody expected that. And not only that, he was ranked eighth, and the wrestler Dahl is unranked from uh, from Maryland. Now he can wrestle back. So I mean he's but he's got a he's got a path to go here. He's got a path to go to get this thing done. All right, so St. Patrick's Day at Notre Dame. That's different. <laughs> Gives whole new meaning to the term luck of the Irish. But you know what? They, you know, The odd thing is their record on St. Patrick's Day, you know, and these are other teams, other times, other matchups, is not that good. Yeah, I don't really think that the players go, hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. We're going to play great. <laughs> we play for the Fighting Irish. I mean, I don't think that that comes into play. Um, but it's just a slice of irony. They only, Penn State drew almost 4,600 last night for the NIT. You know, it was a, I thought it was a great crowd. We got into it. Uh, we're really. Uh, emotional. I think a lot of ways they carry Penn State down the stretch. I thought they were great. Notre Dame drew 2,100 for their opener with Hampton. 
And on TV, it sounds... I mean, yet. Yeah, Bob Wachusen, who's an outstanding announcer, and Robbie Hummel, who I think is going to be very good. And not even that, it just, you know, Notre Dame was a lot better than Hampton, not even the same realm. I mean, Notre Dame was bored. I mean, they were disinterested and still beat it by 21. Okay. So, that'll be noon on Saturday, and it looks like the way my travel schedule is that we'll do the show tomorrow from South Bend. I think we're leaving at noon. By the way, here's some interesting names for the UConn job. Thab Mata, Tom Crean, Frank Martin, the South Carolina head coach, and Danny Hurley of Rhode Island. Mata's already turned down Georgia. Crean is interviewing at Georgia. All right. More updates on wrestling coming up tomorrow. And more updates on the NCAA basketball tournament.